What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wide in the Middle, your home for all things racing with me, Thomas Brandon. Joined always by my man, Keith Bradley. Keith, what's going on, brother? What is up? Oh, nothing much, man. Nothing much. Been crazy, crazy week. I know that that... I usually say that on the pod, like it's been a crazy week, but this week has been badness for me, and that's like really saying something in my world, so... So yeah, we're it's Thursday and we are running on fumes. I worked seven days. I I, I didn't have a day off this last week, um, as per the norm. Um, not gonna have a day off this weekend. It's just been crazy. I had a half. I shouldn't say I didn't have a day. I had a half a day off on Sunday, which was um, actually really fun. So we went on. So Friday night, my son had um, all stars. He's made the all-star team in his little league and they're playing in the tournament and we go to the game Friday night and they lost unfortunately and so they're out of that tournament now um and after the game he was going to go over and spend the night at his at his cousin's house and my son is a lot like my little brother my little brother when we were growing up he had this thing about spending the night at people's houses, right? Like when you're a kid, you do that. You go spend the night over at your buddy's house or your buddy comes and spends the night at your house, right? Like it's just one of those things that you do. Well, my brother, no matter where we would go, always when it got to like, you know, nine, 10 o'clock, like it's bedtime, like he's like, I, I want to go home. It's like, dude, you're not going home. We're not leaving. It's, it's 10 o'clock at night. We, we can't go home. Mom and dad are sleeping. You know, the house that we're at, their parents are sleeping. Even if they're awake, they're not going to drive us home. It's 10 p.m. Just get in bed. Go to sleep, right? Like, doesn't, just didn't want to do it. My son is the same way. Like, he's all for it until it comes time to do it. And he's like, ah, I don't really feel good. I want to go home. It's like, no, dude, you're spending the night, right? So Friday night, he's like, I don't know if I want to spend the night. It's like, no, you promised your cousin. You promised Damien that you were going to spend the night. You're going to spend the night. So suck it up, dude. Because I'm dropping you off and you're staying and you're not coming back. So he was like, well, hey, on Sunday, he goes, can we, can we hang out? Can just me and you hang out that day? And my son is like a real daddy's boy. You know, it's usually like mommy and their boys, daddy and their girls. Well, for us, it's reverse. And part of that is due to the fact that my daughter is my stepdaughter. Um, you know, I mean, she's she's my daughter, but she also sees her father a lot still, too. So and her and my wife, her mom were, you know, for the first five years of her life, it was just them. So she's a real mommy's girl. And then we had our son and my son became like a little daddy's boy. So he's always wanting to hang out with me and spend time with me and stuff. And I do a lot with them, but I'm also very busy working all the time. And even then, even then, I spend probably more time with him than most dads spend with their kids, right? It's one of the reasons why I'm always walking around like a zombie is because <laughs> no matter how much I work, I try to spend time with my family. So he wants to hang out on Sunday and he's like, well, can we go to Millennium? And Millennium is this place over in the town next to us. And they've got like an arcade and laser tag and 
you know, like a shooting range that you can shoot like airsofts and axe throwing. And then they've also got indoor electric go-karts, like race cars, go-karts. And they're fast, right? For the type of track that you're on, they're fast. They probably do, no joke, I would say 35 miles per hour, 40 miles per hour. I know that doesn't sound like much, but when you're in a go-kart, and you're on an indoor circuit, and it's not a circle; it's a it's like a little road course in there. It's it's fast, and so Sunday we go and do that, and we went and spent like four or five hours doing that. And so I did have that time of my week. I was off work. I worked before then and after then on Sunday, but during that four or five hours with my son, I was off. So. I guess technically I shouldn't say I didn't have zero time off because I did have a few hours with my son, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, how was uh how how was your weekend? Did you get anything done? Have any fun? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's been somewhat really hot, and then oh dude, and if it you. ain't really hot, it's freaking smoky from the Canadian wildfires, and if it ain't that, it's freaking raining and storming. Yeah, so. I feel your pain on that, dude. I mean, we get a lot of that in California from wildfires. Um, you know, we're, I mean, we'll have wildfires that are hundreds of miles away, but they're so huge that you walk outside and there's ash all over your car. Right? Yeah, like, the like, sky is literally orange because there's so much smoke. It was so smoky here yesterday. You couldn't even see the sun. Yep. Like, you knew it was there. You just couldn't see it. Yep. Yeah. And our weather out here, we've had a very mild June so far and a very mild May. Normally at this time of the year, we've already had like a bunch of 100 degree days. Now it's starting up. It started up yesterday where we got up to like 97. Today it's supposed to be 102. And by Saturday, it's going to be like 110. So it's coming. Yeah. The heat is coming and I'm not looking forward to it at all. I say uh, piss on that for one. Yeah. Yeah, it just sucks, I mean, dude. At least, like here, it could be 110 and then real humid, and it'd choke you out. Yeah, see, that's and, that's the thing. We don't have the humidity. And we've not, usually by now, we've had a couple hundred degree days. We really haven't. Yep, yeah, we've, we've had a few, a handful, but they were, they weren't typical 100 degree days like it was cool i shouldn't say cool but it was in the 70s and then it by you know four or five o'clock it had gotten up to 100 and then by 7 p.m it's cooling back down again where we normally get these heat waves that come through and it's 90 degrees at midnight right like you walk outside you know i wake up at three o'clock in the morning and i walk outside and i'm like oh my god it's still freaking hot like what the hell and we haven't had those yet. Knock on wood. Hopefully we don't. I'm hoping we don't. I hate that. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of it. Mm -mm. Like, I, I think I've said that a ton on here. Like, if it could stay between 50 and 70, it'd be perfect. Yep. I'm with you. To me, that's perfect weather. Oh, it, it's... You could go outside and be comfortable and not yep. be uncomfortable. Yep. Yeah. To me, I would like... I wish that could be my summer's. 
wake up in the morning, it's in the 50s. By afternoon time, it's in the 70s, and it cools back down again. That's the perfect summer. Because I do like winter. I do like when it gets cold. I do like fall and stuff like that. Like, I do yeah. like it when you go outside and it's like 30 degrees and it's cold, it's, you know, chilly and crisp and like the air just seems fresher. Like, I do enjoy that. But the whole like 100 degree shit, you can keep that crap. Yeah. Like, it's cold, but not cold enough to freeze your freaking nose when you're yeah. trying to breathe <laughs> yeah uh, yeah like I, I like the fall seasons yeah me too I, I really like fall so uh anyway so got a bunch of stuff to cover had a lot of recent action um which we'll get to um definitely big race last weekend with the high bank nationals uh, we'll cover that in our dirt track recap. Um, we've got our hit or miss portion of the show. We do have a four things to cover in that. Uh, we've got our NASCAR pickup, our goat of the week. We've also got an ask three wide question, which is a pretty interesting question asked by uh, Jerry. So we'll get to that later. But first, in the open today, I want to cover something that... Me and Keith were actually talking about this before we started the show today, but it seems to be more and more prevalent. And it's really this last weekend at Nashville in the truck series, it had a light really shown or shine down upon it um, with the incident between Haley Deegan and Lawless Allen. And it brings up a much more interesting conversation about younger drivers drivers being fast tracked right these rising stars that come up you know whether they're buying right you know all the things like that and we see it across all of the forms of racing now um there was a very good example of it in the power i race at macon involving you know thomas mesrell we'll talk about that in a few moments but i want to cover i want to talk about this whole Haley deegan lawless allen uh incident because first of all it's really amazing to see how the the racing fans react when somebody is doing or saying something that they don't like or is attacking their driver, all right? Haley Deegan is a NASCAR truck driver. She is in, for all intents and purposes, what is considered a good ride, and she hasn't had very good results, okay? She just hasn't. Um, she scored, like, what, one top 10 this year? Four top 10s her entire career, right? She's got, like, a couple of top 20s this season. Like, she, she has not been doing well. She gets into an incident with Lawless Allen on lap three or four at Nashville. She drove the truck in down low, uh, lost it. You can see the truck gets loose. I don't know if she caught the apron with her left front. She was close to it, but she drives it in. Truck gets loose. She washes up, hits Lawless Allen. After his truck was wrecked out, Lawless Allen called her talentless. Basically, she does this all the time. It's nothing new. Now, first of all, let me just say this to Lawless Allen. Hi, Pot. I'm Kettle. You're black. Like, 
the way that these drivers this this is not just a lawless out thing it's an everybody thing but the way that drivers think sometimes boggles my mind and you see this more and more with these younger drivers coming up where when they do things right when they're at fault it's an accident but when it's done to them the driver who did it is a jackass that's the way they see it it, it's the most stupid, ironic thing I've ever seen. It's so dumb because the lack of self-awareness that you see in drivers now really is mind-boggling. And it, I think it says a lot to the maturity level of the drivers that are coming up. I really do. When you're a young driver and you're coming up and you're on the throttle and you're fast and you're aggressive, man, that, that's to be expected. But for some reason, there's this lack of self-awareness that we see, and it's way more, it seems to be way more prevalent than it ever was before, right? Am I, am I wrong about that, Keith? Is that just me thinking that, or, is, or do you feel the same way? Uh, no, I think you hit the, hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, you know, because, I mean, remember, you know, it used to be, like, there would be, like, a couple of drivers like that, right? Like, you had a, a Kyle Busch or a Denny Hamlin, or a Kurt Busch, right? These younger kids who would come up, they were really fast. Joey Logano, another example, right? They're really fast. They've got a ton of raw talent, and they get in over their heads, and then they're also young, fiery. They say things, and they lack the self-awareness and the experience, and they gain that over time. We've seen them evolve. But now, when you look at, like, the truck series, for example, that's really all you see. Think about it. When the truck series started, and when it was really, in my opinion, in its heyday, look at the drivers who were driving in the truck series, right? Like, you had, you know, Mike Skinner, Ron Hornaday, Jack Sprague, Matt Crafton. You know what I mean? Like, these guys were legit drivers, and they weren't 20-year-old kids. These were experienced drivers. I mean, these guys had done time in cup racing you know what i mean like bush series racing or xfinity series as they call it now now it's literally a wreck fest where if you're not in one of the top three or four teams you really don't have a chance to compete for wins unless something insane happens and it's nothing more than a stepping stone to the xfinity series that's really all that it is now and it's seen as nothing more than a passing through series where the moment you get there, you're looking for the next opportunity to move up, whether it's you buying a ride or you earning the opportunity to do it. And we're seeing more and more of these kids, right? Younger drivers being moved up because they have sponsorships or they have money. And make no mistake, racing is expensive and it matters. Having those sponsors, that financial backing matters. But I got to tell you, it really warmed my heart to see Tony Stewart say what he said when they introduced uh, Josh Berry as their driver next year, where they want somebody who's actually earned it, that's gone through all the stuff and has put in the time and has earned the right to be in that ride. I think that is something we see less and less of. And along with this in the truck series, we're seeing this happen more and more now in dirt racing where kids now are running sprint cars and late models 
and modifieds and all this stuff when they're 12, 13 years old. And they're trying to get to USAC by the time they're 15, 16. And look, if you've got the talent, by all means, go for it. But there's a lot of drivers that I think are ending up in rides that they're literally there because, yes, they've got the ability to do it, but more so they have the money to do it. And we're seeing this, once again, what we just talked about in the truck series, this, when I do it, it's an accident. When you do it, you're a jackass. You screwed me. You're an idiot, right? Zero responsibility, zero self-awareness. This, if you, if you did not watch the, if you don't follow Thomas Meserol on YouTube, you've got to follow him because, first of all, it's just, it's T-Mez. It's, it's great entertainment. But second, it's a really cool look into the life of a dirt racer because that's what T-Mez is. He's a dirt racer, right? That's his thing. He's open wheel dirt racer. T-Mez ain't going to NASCAR, right? He's not going to go run Indy. You know what I mean? Like he, He's going to be driving a dirt car. T-Mez is going to be the Kenny Schrader of open wheel racing. That's what he'll be. He'll be driving a dirt car by the, at 65 years old somewhere. He's going to die racing on dirt. And when they were at Macon, Timez is in the lead. McIntosh jumps the start. Mezrol was leading. McIntosh jumps the start, gets the lead, which he shouldn't have done, gets the lead. Then Mezrol throws a slider while it was green. Caution comes out while Mezrol's already in the slider. He comes up, bumps and hits McIntosh's nose. McIntosh gets back out in front because of the caution. Then Timez passes him, gets the win. And at, after the race, McIntosh runs up, screaming and yelling, pissed off, whining. Essentially, when the caution comes out, let me slow down, you junked my car, all this stuff. Looked like an absolute whiny brat. That's how he looked. That's how he came across to me, like a whiny brat. And he wouldn't even let Meserol speak. Mezrol is sitting there going, hey, man, Slider was already thrown when the caution came, and he's just, that's bullshit and all this stuff like this. And then Mezrol does what Mezrol does best, where he's like, okay, you're not going to let me talk. You're going to do that. Then I'll just piss you off even more. How you like me now, right? Like that, it's perfect. It's the only response you can have to stuff like that. Right? It, re it literally reminds me of, if you never saw the, the show The Wire, it's my favorite television show of all time, and it was on HBO. But there's a character in there, Omar, and he straight tells this guy, Weebay, he says, if you come at the king, you best not miss. And that's what it reminded me of. It's like, hey, man, come at the king, you best not miss. And if you're going to run your mouth and pull stuff like that, when it happens back to you, you better be prepared to deal with it. And I think that's what we're seeing nowadays in racing, and it's sad. It's almost like a bunch of little whiny kids running around screaming to their parents that someone took their toy. Like, that's how it feels sometimes. And that's not to say McIntosh is a, is a good driver. He's a, the dude's got talent, right? Let's, let's get that settled, right? He's not the lawless Allen of dirt. He's got talent. But these guys where anything that happens, it's a bitch and cry and moan fest. It's so, so, it just, it sucks to watch. It sucks to watch, man. And they look like just babies. They look like babies. 
And I hate it because that's not what I want to see. And as fans, we don't want to see that. We don't want to see whiners, right? People want to yell at each other and scream at each other and stuff like that. Man, go for it. Don't whine and cry. Don't act like a little brat. And unfortunately, I think we're seeing more and more of that in all forms of racing. And it sucks. I'm just not a, not a fan of it. Keith, what are your thoughts on it? I mean, it, it just proves that they were fed with a silver spoon their entire life. That's how it comes across, yeah. And and it just, I don't know, it aggravates me. But then again, on, on the Timez side, I highly recommend any race that he's in and he finishes in the podium, don't turn it off till his interview's over. Yes, his interview's great. His interviews are uh, great. And, and, and it's classic. And I think it, his interview this time around was warranted. I, I don't yep. didn't do anything wrong. And and like he said in the video, he has cameras on his car, so he can't lie about it. No. The evidence no. is there plain as yeah. day. Yep. It, we're still green. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was perfect, man. It was absolutely perfect. Um, you know, he... He was 100% right on all four, on all fronts. If this was if this was a uh, a case that had to be presented to a jury, right? Timez would be found the winner. <laughs> he would yeah. be found not guilty. So, uh, you know, it's just and look, I get it in the heat of the moment, right? You're upset, you lost the race, but this is that self awareness thing that I'm talking about where. Everything that I do is justified and anything that's done to me is wrong. And when you start looking at it and breaking it down, it's like, no, man, you jumped the start. No, man, he was already sliding you. Like, why are you doing that, right? If you look at the lawless Alan Haley Deegan thing, you know? Oh, she's talentless. She does it to everybody. And look, I'm not defending saying that Haley Deegan is some beacon of, of NASCAR potential. But let's not pretend that, you know, Lawless Allen is the second coming of Ron Hornaday in the truck series. Let's like, let's pump the brakes here, dude. Like, you know, it's not like you're out there lighting it up, winning races every week. It's not like you haven't gone out there and caused a bunch of problems too. I get it. You're upset, but let's, let's relax a little bit here. You know, let's, let's take a look in the mirror. And unfortunately, there's none of that going on. And it really shows in the truck races. If you watch the racing, especially from like 15th on back, it's like a, a game of freaking ping pong. You know what I mean? It's just balls bouncing around everywhere. It's just people just slamming off each other. It, and it sucks. Because I, I used to love the truck races. I really did. I loved truck racing. When it first came out, when it first came out in the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know about this, man. Really? NASCAR trucks? Like, are you really like, how are you going to race a truck? You know, like I was not very keen on it. And then when I started watching, I was like, this is really cool. Right. Cause they were running at, it was predominantly short tracks then. That's what they ran at. And it was, you had beaten and banging, but it was under the, the confines of racing, right? It was under the umbrella of of racing. You know, Harry Hogg said it best. He didn't nudge you, he didn't bump you, he rubbed you. And Rubbin's racing. That's what it was a lot of. And now it's just people slamming into each other. You know, with like zero regard for the drivers around them. Whether or not that's true, it does not matter because that's how it comes across. I mean, I've said it my whole life. Perception is reality, right? For each individual, their perception is their reality. How they perceive the world is their reality. I always use the example of my of my uh, 
my cousin's husband. He's colorblind. In his world, the sky is green. That's his reality, right? So when these guys, when I perceive it that way, to me, like that's my reality when it comes to truck racing. It has become bumper cars at 160 miles an hour, unless it's the top five to seven trucks out there. They're the only ones that got a shot to win. And it sucks because it's something that I used to really enjoy watching. And now it seems just like a drama filled wreck fest. Oh, a hundred percent. Like anymore, the last three or four truck races have been a wreck fest. I mean, yep. even the Xfinity races to a point. Yep. Um, I think the difference between now and back then, they were racing at short tracks. I yep. mean, you're gonna you're gonna have contact, but now you're racing at high speed racetracks and guys are being hooked for absolute no reason. Yeah. Will it change? Don't know. I know something's got to change with it. I I, th I wish they would just go back to short tracks and be done with it. But on the other hand, you speaking of Haley Deegan, I, I think I'm over the Haley Deegan project, if that makes any sense. Like the last two years, she hasn't really proved much to me. And, and, and I blame the truck racing for that. Yeah, uh, I think that's I a think big part it, of it. Yeah, like I think if she was to go to Xfinity Racing, she would be able to display her talents a little better. Truck racing, you just did. It, it's a survival mm -hmm. anymore. If you get wrecked, you get wrecked. If you don't get wrecked, just count your blessings that you didn't get wrecked. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I would like to see her have a shot in Xfinity just to see do you got it or not. You know what I mean? Give her a season, see how she ends the season, because it's going to take her some time to get used to the cars. But towards the end of the season, you should be able to see whether or not there's any potential there. Um, I'm with you, because then, in the truck stuff, in the truck series, it, it it's it is not helping her cause right now. No, no, and and we've seen it with Carson Hosovar. He's jumped in an Xfinity car and he's been pretty good. And, and I. I really think Carson Hosovar is starting to mature a little bit. I mean, we've seen him right hook guys and just wreck people with no no care in the world. And here lately, he's been pretty good. But I want to speak on the, the Tony Stewart stuff that you were talking about, the comments where he mm -hmm. said he'd, he'd rather have talent over money. And, and I think that's a proven fact with Tony. We've seen him take a gamble on a young Chase Briscoe. Yeah. We know he didn't bring no money to the table. He was volunteering in Arca shops, and and he's one of the true ones that worked for his ride. And, and then we see him do it with Ryan Priest. And, and Tony's the type that he'll give you time to learn. Yep. I, I think he'd prefer to, to teach these guys their way instead of, well, you, you brought $30 million to the table. The ride's yours. You don't know how to drive, but we're going to teach you. Yeah. It yeah. shouldn't be that way. No, not, not the high level cup of the cup series. Nope, it shouldn't. That should be the best of the best, period. And yeah. and to be honest, I really think they hit a home run with going and getting Josh Berry. I, I, think I do he too. Proved, I think he proved a lot in the nine car. Yep. And and like Tony Stewart said it best, Hendrick helped them more than they hurt him. They gave him free laps in, in the car mm -hmm. and then Stuart Haas was able to evaluate him a little further. Yep. So it was exactly. a win-win scenario. And and for Josh Berry, it ought to, he ought to feel good about it because 
Kevin Harvick was in in the mix, handpicking these guys too. So, yeah, yeah, it's a it's an awesome situation, and I'm I really couldn't be happier for somebody that I don't know. Like I'm I'm really happy that he got that ride, and I think it's great, you know, to see him come from where he's come from to be able to to land a ride with a good team. I mean, they're, they've been struggling this year, but I don't expect them to be struggling for long. You know, it's not, no. I don't think this is going to be a, a 10 year dip with, with Stuart Haas. Like they'll get things figured out. They'll get it turned around. And when they do look well, at I mean, it, so, and, and they're going to have to figure it out because outside of Kevin Harvick, they've not really done much. No, they haven't. If you take Kevin Harvick's races away, Stuart Haas is no better than they're worse than Spire. Yeah. So yep. they'll turn it around. You just gotta gotta give it time. Yep. Absolutely. So, anyways, that's gonna do it for today's open. But we're gonna take a quick break. When we get back, we've got our hit or miss portion of the show along with our dirt recap and a whole lot more. So stick around. Today's episode is brought to you by Produxa. Look, you guys, when it comes to protecting and adding a mirror-like shine to your surfaces, you pretty much have two options. You can go with one of those low, you know, quality products out there. Uh, you know, do the old school, like my parents used to do, use the old dish soap to wash your car, or you can go with Produxa. You guys, I've personally used this stuff, and it works incredible, man. Whether it's their ceramic coating, their wash, their tire shine, and it not only looks great, but it's super easy to use. I mean, my 10-year-old son was helping me use this stuff, and we used it on my daughter's car, and the car literally looked new. And my daughter's 17, so you can imagine that the car did not look new before we washed it. So if you want to actually give your car a mirror-like shine while in the process protecting it, head over to Produxa.com or the link down in the description below and check out their full line of products today. I can promise you, you will love them. All right, it is now time for hit or miss. We've got, uh, I don't know, three or four things here on the uh, on the docket today, and we are going to kick things off in the Cup Series, scoring the win at Nashville. Ross Chastain made both of us, you and me, Keith, look like clowns after our comments saying he had lost his fangs after Darlington. Hit or miss the mark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't say it hits the mark. He made me look dumb. Oh, uh, my God. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> but I, I think that comes to... I wonder how much Chevrolet and Hendrick had to do with that when they set him down and said, hey, you got to stop. It, it's almost like they took a big edge of Ross Chastain away. They took the excitement of Ross Chastain, and they caged that on him. Mm-hmm. And and they shouldn't have. I mean, he's good for the sport. The the stuff that he does is good for the sport. Yeah, granted, we don't want to see a guy just out flat wrecking people, but yeah. when when guys race him hard, he's gonna race them hard. And I think that's truly all he was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just I regret saying that. What I said, he made me look dumb at at Nashville, and I'm glad he got the win. I'm glad he got I the like win it. too. And look, although. He won. That doesn't take away from the comments that we made. We didn't have, our timing was obviously poor, but it was truth. He had, for whatever reason, he had not been performing well since Darlington, right? 
whether it was that talk, whether it was just setup stuff or they were just missing the car, whatever it was, he had not performed well. So, yes, our timing could not have been worse. We definitely are nominees for the Bad Timing Awards. But yeah. overall, you know what I mean? It doesn't. It does not change the fact that he had been struggling. So, yeah, I'm glad he got the win. Um, I, I like the guy. I am with you. I think he is great for the sport. I really do. Um, you know, just as a whole, you know, when you look at the, um, his, his talent, his story, right? I mean, the dude's a freaking watermelon farmer to come up the way that he's come up to race the way that he's raced, be as good as he's, as he is, you know, I mean, right now he's literally like what third in the points and i think in the playoffs he's like third or fourth i mean he's had a he's had a good year he's only got the one win but still he's put himself into the playoffs now i think we will see him get another win now that he got that first one right i really do because we talked about it before once you get yourself locked in you can be far more aggressive now those wins can come and um yeah i think i think we're gonna see the Ross that we all love, or at least that me and you love, Keith. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I was glad to see him get the win. And, uh, yeah, if if I had to look like a clown and win the Bad Timing Award for it, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'm, 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 all, I'm all right with it. So Yeah, there's somebody out there saying old takes exposed somewhere on that. But yeah, that's okay. I, I, like, <laughs> I like top five Ross. I don't like racing 22nd to 30th No, me neither. <laughs> oh. Me neither. All right, moving on. Where up oh, there it is. Okay. Um, NASCAR has zero excuses for not having safer barriers on the inside walls at all of the tracks. This was brought up after Ryan Blaney's accident where he smashed the inside wall at Nashville. So hit or miss the Mark Keith. I think it hits the mark. I mean, these cars, they're, they're, it's almost like wherever there ain't a soft wall, they're going to find it. They're all, they are. They always do. They always do. I don't get, I don't know how we're still having this conversation. I don't even know. Especially now with the new car, because the new clips aren't, aren't in the cars yet. No, as rigid as these things are and the concussion issues and stuff, you think this, you would have thought this would have been figured out already. Yeah. And, and it, it was kind of terrifying and scary to watch because what it made me think of is when Kyle Busch found the uh, non-soft wall at Daytona and broke both legs. Mm-hmm. Um, with the speeds of these cars, with how rigid they are, and they don't take front-end impacts, rear-end impacts, as good as, I'm going to say, as the old cars. I mean, the old cars were safer to a point. Um, yeah. There's no excuse for it. And then then for Ryan Blaney, mention, well, I'll pay for it. He shouldn't have to. No. Shouldn't have to at all. I think the next time we come to, not we, that they go to Nashville Super Speedway, there better be a soft wall there. If yep. not, I think, I think there should be a discussion about it. Yep. Absolutely. Because they, they, they want to sit and, and, uh, and I'm speaking of NASCAR, they want to sit and preach about how they're so safe and safety this and safety that. Yep. Put your money where your mouth is. It's time to fix it. Yeah, exactly. It is time to fix it. So, yeah, I'm uh, hoping they get that thing fixed. And, uh, yeah, they, they there should be, if there's a wall 
inside or outside, it it should be fixed. Um, it should have a soft, safer barrier on it. Uh, you know, what what are we doing? I, I just, I don't even get it. it. I don't even know why we're still having this discussion. So yeah, I'm with you. All right. Next up, this week's Chicago Street Race will be an awesome race. Hit or miss the mark? I'm going to say miss the mark for now just because we we don't know. There's a huge unknown of the street course. We've never seen a NASCAR race on the street course. Mm-hmm. We don't know how well the street's going to hold up to these race cars. Um and the the safety of the track that's what i'm concerned about not just the safety of the track the safety outside of the track mm-hmm. um because let's let's be honest they ain't going to the safest city in the world they're going to i would say one of the most dangerous cities in the world so um i'm gonna table my opinion on it till next week but as of now it it, it misses the mark i hope yeah. it's good i hope it I hope I have another bad take here. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I I don't know. I, I'm with you. I'm gonna say Mr. Mark just because we don't know in terms of the racing. But I am looking forward to it because you know I I've raced this in the sim. Now keep in mind it's a sim, but this iRacing sim, they they laser scan this stuff, right? So for those of you guys who don't know. They use like lidar technology on this. It's very, very sophisticated. Um, I have a friend who who works in a company that does this, and they can like map. You can map anything with this technology, and it's extremely accurate. In fact, you know the Chili Bowl actually went to iRacing because they were having an issue with the track in real life, and iRacing was because they looked at the data and was like, "Oh yeah, you've got this right here. Like this needs to be fixed." So it, it's extremely accurate. This track in the sim is hella bumpy. And there's some spots that don't have a lot of grip. It seems really, there's a lot of very long straightaways. Like it's going to be very fast. And then you've got some really tight corners. There's one or two portions of the track that's really, it gets really tight, really technical. And it's really bumpy, really bumpy. So... I'm going to be interested to see how it is. You know, these cars have never raced on a street circuit like this before. And one thing that people don't realize when it comes to street circuits is drive through the the main roads in your town. Streets are crowned. Okay. There's a, what's called a crown road effect. When I used to do alignments at Les Schwab, we used to actually, we would tune the caster in cars for this. Okay, so when your car is on a crown road, and a crown road is essentially as it sounds, the, the center is higher than the sides. And the reason for that is because when it rains, that allows the water to roll down into the gutters and off the road. Well, even only a couple degrees can be a lot, especially in something like a race car, where now you're having to actually tune the caster so the car doesn't pull one direction because of this crown road. And when you talk about coming doing a left-handed turn and you're coming across the crown a crowned road and you've got an inverse banking meaning the banking is falling off the opposite direction you were going i think it's going to i think we're going to see um some carnage i do i don't mean like cars just being destroyed and and you know barriers coming down stuff like that but i i think we're going to see people lose it just by themselves um wrecking spinning out 
it's it's gonna be interesting. I don't know how good the racing will be. Like I said, there's there's some really bumpy portions of the track and it's super technical. But I I am looking forward to it. So yeah, I'm gonna do like you. I'm gonna hold judgment till after the race. But I am looking forward to it. I gotta admit. All right, last one. Uh, this we're gonna cover this also in the dirt track recap. But I had to bring this up because it is a great what if. So on the final night. Of the High Bank Nationals, the, this is my new nickname for him, the nerd assassin Buddy Kofoid would have won the High Bank Nationals had it not been for a massive mechanical failure late in the 40 lap feature. Hit or miss the mark? I think it hits the mark, man. He was spanking him. He had <laughs> it, it. I thought he had it wrapped up, dude. Yeah, he had it signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> um, he just, sometimes motors decide to just implode at yep. the uh worst possible time <laughs> yeah and unfortunately that was the worst possible time because that would have probably been one of buddy's biggest wins of his career if not the biggest mm -hmm. and i'd say watch out eldora million buddy might be a favorite i would say watch out uh outlaw tour, outlaw tour. yeah <laughs> you know he He's done really good this year, you know. We've actually got a question that kind of is around, circles around him in the Ask 3 wide that we'll get to later. Um, he's good, man. He's he's good in anything. I mean, he's good in anything. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think he would have won that race. Um, obviously, we'll never know. It's a great what if. But, you know, you look at when that happened. They were on, like, what, lap 32 I mean, there was only like seven or eight laps to go. He was walking the field. The only thing that would have really screwed it up would have been a caution and then, you know, gravel or somebody getting the jump on him or a mechanical failure, and it was a mechanical failure. So, yeah, tough break for those guys. I really felt bad for him. Um, obviously, big congrats to David Gravel. So, yeah, we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. But, anyways, that'll do it for the hit or miss portion of the show. And we're going to head right into our dirt track recap because we have had a couple weeks of dirt racing because um, we were off last week. We've had some interesting dirt races. So kicking things off on the outlaw side, we had the last weekend, not, not last weekend, the weekend before last weekend, we had the, uh, Jim Boyd Memorial at Beaver Dam Raceway. Giovanni Selzy got the win on night number one. And our question of where's Sheldon Hoddenshield, <laughs> he got a win too. Apparently our last podcast, the people we were talking about, Ross Chastain and Sheldon Hoddenshield, apparently they, they were listening, I guess, or divine intervention told them to make us look like clowns because uh, <laughs> Sheldon got the win also, which was really good to see. Did you see that race, Keith? I didn't watch it, but I seen I seen the update that Sheldon won. And yeah, I, I fist bumped the air and need about five more of those, Sheldon. Yeah, yeah, five he's had a he's had a tough season, but yeah, he won that race. He pretty much dominated. I think he led like thirty laps or something like that. Um, I mean, he started up front, which was good. You know, that's something I've been noticing with him that hasn't been happening. Um this year and he's always been kind of known for that he's never been like the best qualifier right there's been a lot of times we've seen him where he'll he'll start 12th and then he's second after like 15 laps 
But it seems like this year he's even been digging himself an even bigger hole um, in some of the races. So it was good to see him get the win there. I was definitely happy for that. Uh, then we had the High Banked Nationals, four nights of racing, $250,000 for the winner, uh, twenty grand on the preliminary nights. Um, the whole weekend was really good racing. Uh, I I freaking love that track. Those I talk about it all the time, but those those like three eighths mile tracks, right? Even like quarter mile tracks that that are high banked. I love those tracks, man. They're so much fun to watch. And Kyle Larson got the win on night number one. Um, I thought after that first night, I was like, oh man, he's he's dialed in. I I thought he was going to be a a shoe in for the. For the 250K, um, McFadden got the win night number two. I was actually really impressed with that as well. McFadden, that's his second or third win on the season. Um, he's He has looked much, much better this season, in my opinion. Um, yeah, he's just, he's looked much better this season. Obviously, they had the whole tire issue, but, you know, he's had, um, uh, what three wins this season? Four wins this. I mean, he's had a, a handful of wins. He's done really, really well this season. So, yeah, big, big win for him. And then you had Logan Shuhart win night number three. Shuhart was actually leading the points for the High Bank Nationals going into the final night, and uh, wasn't able to to close the deal as David Gravel got the win after. Buddy Kofoid had the uh, mechanical failure. Rico Abreu finished second. Kyle Larson, third. Shuhart, fourth. Carson Macedo, fifth. So after the High Banks Nationals, we've got Brad Sweet back out in front of the points lead with only a 10-point lead over Gravel and 40-point lead over Macedo. So, uh, yeah, man, I think this summer we might have one of the more exciting points battles we've had in a very long time keith i completely agree um it, it's almost like this time last year we had the same exact conversation about the same exact people mm -hmm. um david gravel's starting to build some momentum uh, yes if i'm Brad sweet i'm might be a little worried yep yep i'm i'm with you man um you know, Gravel's been one of those guys. He's he always qualifies well. You know, he always is up front, and he he never seemed to to close the deal. And he's been closing it this season. Uh, he has, man. So that yeah, big big uh, weekend for him. I mean, anytime you can win 250k that's going to be a big weekend now the really cool part was is that they announced that it'll be back again next year which um is pretty and, freaking awesome and i think that's one of my favorite world of outlaw weekends is I, me I too i love it Cusets, uh, man it's so underrated that's an underrated racetrack that's that's a track that doesn't get a lot of love and it, it should. is the racing that it puts on is spectacular Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's a phenomenal one. We need it on iRacing. I'm we do. Saying. We do. I've been saying that for a long time. I would love to see that on the sim. So yeah, it was uh it was really, really cool. So now on the 
late model side of things, we actually did have a big event um, last weekend as well. June 22nd to the 24th. It was the Firecracker 100 at Lernerville Speedway. Um, this is basically, I think it's 50,000. Yeah, 50,000 to the winner. And Ricky Thornton Jr. got the win on the uh, championship night, scoring $50,000. Huge win there. Um, that was a Lucas Oil late model series race. Uh, night number, what was it? Night number one. Oops, I have, where'd my notes go? Uh, bu, bu, bu. Night number one was, um, I think it was Jonathan Davenport and was it McCready? Who got the Friday, got the preliminary? Yeah, Davenport McCready on, on night number one split the preliminaries. And then uh, night number two, it was Thornton and Blair. Yeah, Ricky Thornton Jr. and Max Blair. So big turnout for that race. And then obviously he got the got the win. Uh, Thornton, Ricky Thornton Jr. got the win on night number three. So big turnout for that race. It's a huge, huge race. Uh, that was the 17th, 17th Firecracker 100. So yeah, big, big night. Car count really, really big for the weekend. Uh, yeah, it, it's a really, really cool event. I know you're not into late models, Keith, so I'm sure you didn't see much of this if any of it but um unfortunately i i seen a, a video where it started raining during hot laps and a bunch of cars crashed out of three <laughs> or out of four um i just i wish there was a better way to watch the the late models outside of flow um that always the i know they're racing like damn near every night it seems like yeah somewhere um, I wish there was better ways to watch these races and not pay out the ass to watch them because yep. here lately, I know I'm not a late model guy and I'm about to catch a ton of flack from my sprint car guys, but here lately, late model racing has been pretty exciting to watch. Yep. It has been, it has been. And you know, it was crazy because Jonathan Davenport was on the pole and Usually, big money race, Jonathan Davenport up front. I mean, it's almost a guaranteed bet. You know what I mean? Like, if I was if I was running a a gambling booth at Lernerville Speedway this last weekend, going into that final race, Don, Jonathan Davenport would have been damn near even money. To win that race, which means he would have been a heavy favorite to win, right? It's still racing, so you know he would have been like plus one fifty, which is damn near even money. Which means you bet a hundred bucks if he wins, you get a hundred and fifty. Thornton Jr. I would have probably had it more like three to one, you know, maybe maybe three and a half to one. And keep in mind he's really good it's just we've seen dot we've seen davenport in these races deliver so often for him to go out and essentially lead. i mean he led like the first 40 laps of the race and ended up finishing third so i mean obviously still not a bad night but it's not it's not the 50k check he was hoping for so yeah um Big, big night for Ricky Thornton Jr. Congrats to him. 
uh, you know, 100 laps, he got the win. And yeah, Hudson O'Neill finished second, Don Davenport third, Satterley fourth, and Devin Moran fifth. So, all right. The last thing I want to cover on our dirt track recap is we're going to talk a little bit about, I want to talk some about the um, King of the West series, which is out here. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because there is a driver out here that is essentially whipping everyone's ass and some people that i hold in really high regard uh really high regard um are talking about the driver who's doing this which is Corey lejoy uh he's almost they're talking about i mean it's almost blasphemy to say what they've been saying about him. Um, a buddy of mine who is, he races every weekend, he owns sprint cars. He runs the King of the West tour and the SCCT, which took over for the Civil War series, which used to be out here in California. That's the 360 tour. Um, but he's out there every weekend. Keep in mind, he raced with Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet and Rico Abreu and all those guys like that. And... He talks about Corey Day as Corey, I mean, he says Corey Day will be better than Brad or will be better than Kyle Larson on dirt, which is, I mean, when you hear that, it's all, it's shocking. It's, it's shocking. I, I, you wouldn't even think anybody would ever say that, but he swears by it. And if you watch Corey Day's race, races lately, um, he has been dominant. Like it's been insane. So, I bring this up because he just, I mean, put it on everybody up at, uh, what was it, Skagit. And there's a lot of people thinking when the Outlaws make their West Coast run this year that Corey Day is going to be contending for not just one or two, but a handful of wins. Um, Keith, have you seen anything on Corey Day? I know this is outside your your realm you know being out here on the west coast but have you seen any of his races before uh, he ran I've with the outlaws last year out on the west coast swing i i've watched a couple races with him in it and then i've watched a couple midget races where he raced for uh class of marshall and he has crazy good car control he does um, i don't think that's a stretch by saying that because it it's so hard to have Really big speed and car car control all in one. Yeah. And and with Corey Day, I couldn't pick a better person to learn from than Jason Myers. Yes. Yes. Um, well, and his dad, Ronnie Day, was yeah. I mean, a phenomenal driver out here too. So I mean and, he and, comes from a pretty good pretty good lineage. Yeah, and I was looking through some of the results here just to see the guys that he's beaten because, unfortunately, I'm on the East Coast. You're on the West Coast. Yeah. You, you're you more exposed to the Corey Day stuff than I am. And, and when you beat the Dominic Selzies and the Katings, mm -hmm. the Katings are a big name. Yes. You beat the Katings. To me, I think you did something. I mean, when Bud Kading was racing Silver Crown non-wing cars here, 
it said a lot beating guys to that magnitude yep. to them games. Um, I would say if I'm if I'm a race fan or if I'm a team owner, keep an eye on Corey Day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean when. Uh, I mean, I'm just sitting here looking at the results, and he's damn near won every. Yes, when James race. McFadden came and ran out here, I mean, I thought it was going to be just McFadden mopping the floor with everybody. And here's Corey Day, you know what I mean? Giving him a run for his money. It, it's just, he, he's super talented. When my buddy Kyle first told me this, because I had seen a couple of his races, and when Kyle first told me this, I was like, dude, come on. Like, don't you think that's a little... A little, I think that's a little bit of hyperbole. He's like, no, man. He's like, I'm telling you. He's like, go watch his races. He's like, go watch him. He goes, see what he does. He's like, he, he goes, and nobody else does it. He's like, he makes other drivers make mistakes. He's like, and the drivers will admit it. He's like, the drivers will admit it. They'll be like, damn it. I knew I shouldn't have done that, but I saw him going down low. I knew the line was up top and I went down low to protect because I saw him down there and he drove around me on the outside. Like he makes you make mistakes. It's incredible. And he's a freaking kid. He's one of those kids. He's the opposite of what we were talking about in the open, right? This is a kid that if he's 18, 19 years old running the outlaws, he's earned it by talent. Like he's that good. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Outlaws West Coast swing because I'm really wanting to see how he's going to do against those guys um, because he's been pretty much the man to meet, uh, the man to beat out here on the West Coast uh, this season. Yeah, I think uh, since I, I've been lazy and I've not renewed my Flow subscription and I finally did like three weeks ago. I think it's time for me to start watching some of these West Coast races. Just yeah. To, just to pay attention to him. Because, I mean, the races that I have seen him in, it's been like, damn, he's really freaking good. Yeah, he is, and, man. And I'm excited to see what he can do when when the Outlaws do go out West and, and see what he see how he stacks up against some of these big household names. Because, yeah. I mean, I got to agree with you. When McFadden went to the West Coast, I was like, well, that's game over for them guys. Because, yep. I mean, let's face it, James McFadden is no slouch. In no, a sprint car. he's he won really four did. races on the Outlaw Tour oh, this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and when I was looking at the results just a little bit ago, it's like, okay, Corey Day might be the real deal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. So, yeah. I mean, he's he's leading the King of the West points right now over Dominic Selzy and Justin Sanders. Um he's just he's got it, man. He's he's got the goods in my opinion. He is a legit legit driver. Um you know, and it's yeah, it's uh it's going to be interesting to see um how he does when they when they come out because yeah, he I think he's I think he's won 5 features this season. They've only ran like eight races or or twelve races, I think, is what it is. And uh, yeah, <laughs> he's won he's won almost half of them. So yeah. Anyways, that'll do it for our dirt track recap. And um, after the break, we're gonna wrap things up with our NASCAR pick'em and our goat of the week plus our ask three wide. So stick around. 
All right, it is now time for our NASCAR Pick'em. So um, we made our picks the week before, um, heading into the off week uh, for Nashville. I picked Chase Elliott. Keith, you had Chris Buescher. And Elliott finished fourth. I don't know where Buescher finished, but it was after fourth. So I won last weekend, thank goodness, um, because I needed that bad. You are still ahead of me in points, 115 to 97. Um, this week for Chicago, I get to pick first. I have no idea who I'm wanting to pick. Uh, oof. I'm trying to think here. Have I already picked Reddick? Um, no, I haven't. I have not picked Tyler Reddick. So I'm going to pick Tyler Reddick for the street course just because he seems to do really good on all of the road courses. So yeah, I'm going to pick Tyler Reddick. I like it. I'm, uh, I'm going to go like way out to left field here. And I've been sitting here going back and forth on who I want to pick, but I, I think I'm going to take a flyer. I'm going to go with Jensen Button. Nice. Who's Button driving for? Is he driving in the the garage, whatever it is, the is Project driving. 91 car, whatever the hell it is? It's technically the Rick Ware racing car, but the car is being prepared from Stuart Haas. Okay. going to race under the Rick Ware banner, but okay. provided by Stuart Haas. He's going to have a SHR backing crew, stuff like that. Um when I realized he was on the entry list and, and I seen a video of him at Stuart Haas doing some testing on iRacing. I was like, huh, interesting. He's got, he's got street course background. Yeah. Not yeah. the stock car background, but. Yeah. No, nah, he, well, um, you know that I think he will definitely do better this go around than he did at Coda. Cause he knows what to expect now. Um, I think Coda was a real eye opener for some of those guys. <laughs> yeah, the, With, I don't uh, think... how the Cup guys run, how the Cup guys run road courses. So, I just don't think they were mentally prepared to come in and be pushed around like, unlike Formula One, where you can't touch. Uh, yeah, I figured, yeah. why not take a flyer now? I can afford to take one. With the yep. points the way they are, and to kind of make it a little interesting at the same time. Yeah, but that does have me wondering. I I wonder who's going to run the ninety one car for Trackhouse. I don't know because um, I don't think they've announced it yet, have they? No, on the uh, on the entry list it just says TBA. Yeah, so because I thought this was a race that they were going to be running somebody, and I have not heard who they're going to be running, and they still haven't announced it. That's crazy. I I wonder if they, if they're just not bringing the '91 car. I would say it's either going to be, a they're not going to run it, or b it's going to be some kind of bombshell driver that no one was expecting. Like yeah. they they've got it under wraps. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be some kind of big time driver coming out to race that they would they were not expecting nobody would be expecting like that. That's that's cause that sounds like a very track house thing to do. 
Are the is Xfinity running this weekend too? I believe so. I think the Xfinity cars are running this weekend as well. Um Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. So that's interesting because I figured they'd have a car or driver announced for the 10 for colleague. Yeah. I wonder if they kind of use the same person. I wonder if Jordan Taylor comes and runs. I don't know. Something yeah. To watch yeah. Something to think I, about. I don't know how long they have to, to enter the car. I mean, it's a, obviously it's entered. It's on the entry list. They mm -hmm. just don't have named i don't yep. know what the deadline to that is i don't even think there is a deadline to be honest yeah i don't think so either interesting yeah i we'll thought the wait and see i thought for sure Trackhouse said they'd have the the project car there yeah me too yeah so Oh, so Justin Marks is running the 10 car for Colleague. Interesting. Yeah, what? I just found this news report. Colleague Racing oh, adds Justin Marks to Xfinity Series lineup. It says that Colleague announced that Justin Marks will drive the number 10 Jockey Chevrolet in the July 1st next car Xfinity Series race on the Chicago street course. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I remember seeing that because there were, there was a big talk about it because it's a weekend where mm -hmm. cup drivers can't cross over and run Xfinity races. That that that's actually a smart move for Justin Marks. Yeah, because I mean, let's be honest, Justin Marks ain't a dumb racer. He he's a really no, good he's a racer. Guy. Yeah, and he he does have so, experience on on street courses. So. so that that might help Suarez and and the Melon Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be an interesting race. I have no idea if it'll be good, but it'll be interesting. So So I, I seen I seen one report, not to get <laughs> way off topic, but it, it's got to do with the Chicago race. I seen where NASCAR has hired a bunch of extra security for this weekend and Drivers individually have hired a bunch of extra security. So let's let's just hope that it's a safe weekend because as I've been saying, Chicago is dangerous. I think everybody knows that. Yeah. It's very it's a very dangerous town. Yeah. And in my worry with the Chicago race in Chicago is the fourth of July weekend. I think that that just I hope it proves me wrong. Me too. I'm with it. you. I, I hope, I hope everybody stays safe. Nothing serious happens, because it it Chicago at night. I don't know. If you've been to Chicago? I've been there once for. I've never work. been there. And we had a, we had a. So the company I worked for, we were doing work with telephone poles, and we had a, a tough book stolen out of our work truck. In broad daylight. <laughs> yeah. No, I've heard horror stories. I had a friend who lived back there for a couple of years, and yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard a lot of horror stories. Um, I imagine the city of Chicago 
because they're going to have such a spotlight on them with the racing and all that stuff this weekend. I would imagine they would have increased security. Police would be on it. You know, I, I the last thing they want is something like that to happen. So, yeah, hopefully it'll be a safe weekend and uh, everything will go off without a hitch and we'll have some good racing. So, all right, that'll do it for the NASCAR Pick'em. Next, we're going to do our GOAT of the week. So, Keith... Who was your goat of the week? Ooh, man, there there's so many to choose from. I I've got to go with David Gravel, uh, winning the High Bank Nationals in his backyard. I'm gonna say, and his big supporter, his big sponsor being Houston's, uh, can't can't go wrong there. I don't think. No, that's a good pick. Um, I'm with you. When you can show up at your major, your biggest sponsor's, you know, event and win a quarter of a million dollars, yeah, that puts you in GOAT status. So, yeah, nice pick there. I like that one. My GOAT of the week, going a little bit different. Um, I am going to go with Josh Berry. Uh, we talked about him potentially getting the four ride. Uh, it, you know, they made the, the actual announcement. It's been confirmed, all that stuff. And to me, it's just cool to see. It's just a, it's a, it's kind of a callback to the NASCAR that we grew up with, where, you know, you heard stories about these guys grinding the lower levels until they're, you know, late twenties, early thirties, and finally coming up and, and making it to the cup series. I remember when the uh you remember the the original Gillette Young Guns in the NASCAR yeah. Cup you remember that and yeah. it was like Dale Jr, Matt Kenseth, right those guys and they were in their like late 20s and they were considered the Young Guns now that's considered old you know what i mean like when you look at the guys coming in where you've got you know the the Ty Gibbs of the world right and the Reddicks and all these guys who are coming in in their early 20s um, to see someone like Josh Berry grind and, and make it just through perseverance and talent and hard work. It's it's awesome to see. So, yeah, Barry's my uh, goat of the week. And and I don't think he could have picked a, a better team to go to. I mean, Josh Berry paired with Rodney Childers could end up being a home run hit. I think. Um, yeah, I like it. They both have a similar background. They're both a similar type of person. And and I see a lot of similarities between Josh Berry and Kevin Harvick. And I'm excited not only to see Josh Berry go to the four. Now I got a got a new favorite driver, I guess. I got to <laughs> got to switch gears too. Um I'm excited to see what he does to the Kevin Harvick late model program. Yeah, me too. And how and how that affects the Dale Jr. late model program because Josh Berry was a big key factor of that late model. Oh program. yeah, and and now I'm curious to see how it's going to change or if it changes anything at all. Yeah, yeah, it is going to be interesting to see what happens on the late model front because yeah, that's a Josh Berry was a huge huge part of the JRM late model program. I I know Josh said he's going to drive the 62 for Kevin at some point. 
I would imagine. I love the fact that some of these cup guys are going down and doing that. I think it's awesome. Oh, it's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah Kyle Larson did it, what, yeah, last night at Caraway Speedway. And yeah. Kevin, Kevin Harvick's late model ended up winning the race, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. So, yeah, I love it, dude. And uh, looking looking forward to seeing how Josh Berry does in the four car next year. But that's going to do it for the GOAT of the week. Finally, we're going to wrap things up with our Ask 3 Wide portion of the show. You can send us an email at ask three wide that's ask the number three wide at gmail.com all one word and there's a really interesting question from jerry so he said tommy keith love the show i got a question for you though about these guys going wing racing after his recent success but we talked about buddy kofoid he potential success he almost had success he has had he has gotten an outlaw win this year but after his recent success should Buddy Kofoid go full-time wing racing and will other non-wing guys follow suit like Sunshine? Will we see Justin Grant, Logan CV, Timez, etc. wind up in wing cars because of the money? Thanks, love the show. All right, so Keith, what are your thoughts on this? We've talked about this before. You know, Tyler Courtney going wing racing the way that he did, having the success that he's had, was was a big deal. But we are seeing more and more of these guys going wing racing now. Yeah, and 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 a lot of it's got to do with chasing the the money too. It I mean, it does. Let, let's be honest. The, this is their job. This is how they make their living. This is how they feed their families. Um, I could see it, but on the other hand, some of these non-wing guys. They were wing guys to start and then went non-wing racing. Mm -hmm. um, I know we see Justin Grant dabble into the wing stuff here and there. Brady Bacon, the most recent, and has won a, an outlaw race. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see more of them go just because of the the dollar figure. And, and in anymore, if you want to make some money and and compete with the best of the best Tyler Courtney broke the barrier. He, he proved to the non-wing guys that, Hey, he can come over here and do it. Now we've seen some go do it with him. Like the Chris Windham's of the world and, and Kevin Thomas jr. We've seen, we've seen them do good. We've seen them fail. I mean, we've seen Kevin Thomas jr. Just last year, go commit full-time wing racing. And then, ended up losing his ride or they mutually split and now he's back non-wing racing, but then he split with that team. So yep. I think there's, you either got to be all in or you got to be all out. You can't be one foot in and one foot out. I don't think. Um, yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me to see more follow suit. It really wouldn't not, not today's world where the purses are bigger in wing racing from top to bottom yeah or even even just tow money or to show up i think i think uh what to make an outlaw features a thousand dollars right off the top i think i could be completely wrong um um i think it's a thousand or two thousand something like that yeah 2500 or something it, it's it's um it's a couple thousand bucks but i mean you don't see the the I don't think that's what it is in USAC. I, I know that's No, what... it's only 4K to win. Yeah. Like, when I was racing, it was 250 to start. 
just to start the race is $250. That alone won't buy you a, a freaking tire. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. So, yeah, I there mean, was a lot of talk about money um, yeah, I mean, the last couple of weeks. And yeah, it all, it's a thousand thousand dollars to to start an outlaw feature for for a standard 10 k to win race. Yeah, so that that there alone is almost worth it. Mm -hmm. that, that's what some of these local tracks pay to win. Yep. Yeah. But it, it wouldn't shock me, especially the Justin Grants and the Brady Bacon's, where they have major backing from major corporations. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. Yep. It, and it won't surprise me if Buddy Kofoid goes out and shows the, the whole entire country, racing country, that he belongs in a wing car. Yeah. The kid can drive damn near anything. I think I could give him a power wheel and he'd figure out how to uh, make it go 100 yep. miles an hour. Yep. Yeah, he is. He's incredible talent. And I, I'm with you. I mean, we've seen him do extremely well in the um wing cars you know in the with the outlaws when he's had his when he's had his chances and i don't i don't see him slowing down anytime soon um i don't expect that we will see him just stay in the midgets right um he's I think he is a I think he is a dirt guy. I don't see him making the move to NASCAR or anything like that. He could potentially, but I see him as more of a dirt guy. And if you really want to make a good living running dirt, to me you've got to be doing the Outlaw Tour whether it's sprint cars or late models or you got to be doing the All-Stars or the Lucas Oil the Lucas Oil lay models like those that's really kind of it you know what i mean you, there's not really any other options to to make a make a living you know Brad Sweet did an interview with Kenny Wallace and they talked about it and it was really interesting because the topic of money came out um when uh Kevin Swindell commented on Twitter about like what it costs him to run his car and stuff like that and then there was a bunch of other guys who started chiming in. And it was really interesting to kind of get a look behind the scenes on that. Because we've talked quite a bit about money over the last year with the whole Outlaws increased purse fund and, and all the things for the loyalty and how many races you can run outside of the Outlaws and still qualify for it and everything. And, you know, that's only going to become more and more prevalent. And, you know, Brad Sweet said, he's like, look, there's a handful of us on the outlaw tour that are making a, you know, a, a really good living. And then there's kind of a tier below us that make a living. They, they do okay. And then after that, you know, it's kind of guys just getting by. Right. Um, but when you look at it on the USAC side of things, unless you are one of the, top drivers and you've not only you're not only one of the top drivers in terms of your success but also your popularity right you need to be selling merch and doing all kinds of stuff to be making that money right like you've got to be 
a Timez or a Justin Grant or a Brady Bacon, like, because otherwise you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to to do it. You're just not because when you look at four grand a win versus ten grand, there's really no comparison. <laughs> there's just not. So, yeah, I I think we will see Kofoid running sprint cars full time. Um, you know whether he goes when I say sprint cars, I mean wing sprints. Whether he goes like sunshine does and that's pretty much all he you know he makes the switch and that's pretty much it because we don't really see sunshine running anything else anymore right he might hop into another car at the four crown or something but for the most part he's he's a wing guy now and if we see kofoid hop over and start having success it would not surprise me if usac becomes a breeding ground for outlaw drivers where we start seeing them pluck these guys out of the the midgets and the non-wing sprints and putting them in the wing cars and seeing if they got anything. So, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next couple of years. And, and and to be fair, and I wasn't fair to to this certain guy, Brad Sweet. He started in the USAC stuff, mm-hmm. and then when Casey Kane closed up his USAC operations, he took him wing racing, and and he was really the first one to to blow the door open. Nobody followed him though. And, yeah. and then, and then most recently, of course, Tyler Courtney did it. And that's when it, the eyes were on it. Like, Hey, look yeah. at this. But, but to be fair, it happened. What? 10 years ago with Brad sweet. Yeah. It was not, a while ago. Longer. Um, and it, and it, he didn't just take him all-star racing. He took him straight to the outlaws through yeah. straight through the fire. Um, but I'm with you. I really think the the USAC is going to start being these stomping grounds for these outlaw teams to start plucking these guys. Yeah. I mean, it, there, it's proven facts. We've seen wing some non-wing guys go be super successful in in wing stuff. Now we've seen guys progress slower. Like Chris Wyndham, I think is is slowly but surely getting a shit ton better. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And he, I think he even came from a wing background, if I'm not mistaken. And some guys, it takes them a little longer to adjust. And then some guys just click like Tyler Courtney just clicked. And now we see Wyndham. He's progressively getting better. Like from last year to this year, you can see a big, big difference between last year and this year with, with Wyndham. And I think it's just a matter of time that he gets a win. And then it's a matter of time to see these other guys say, Hey, they're doing it. We might as well just try. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. So all all else fails, they come back and they go back USAC race. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Yep. But that'll do it for today's show. Um, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Please make sure to download, share, subscribe, like, comment, rate, review, all that good stuff. Um, get the show out there, help us continue to grow this thing and yeah, do all that. And me and Keith will be back here next week to do this all over again. So Keith, my man, have a good weekend, have a good holiday for all of you out there. Uh, because you know, next week is the 4th of July. So, um, enjoy that. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you back here next week. All right. So until then, Keith, my man, take care. Thanks you too. And, any of you playing with fireworks, don't blow any fingers off. That's right. Be careful. Be careful. So that'll do it. Thank you very much as always. And until next time, take care. <laughs>